Hello everyone and welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. Here we'll discuss everything related to the wide world of automobiles, including culture, news, games, interviews, and events. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to the show. This is going to be another car-specific episode because the LA Auto Show is upon us and absolutely destroyed what my plans were for doing episodes, so now i got to do a lot more than I thought. I'm a bit swamped. But first, we're going to do... I mean, we're not going to do them all at once. Obviously, we're going to do them one at a time. And we're going to start off with what I believe is the most important car release we've had so far. <clears throat> not the Cybertruck, because that sucks. We're starting with the Ford Mustang Mach-E. I think that's, uh, considering the controversy surrounding it, this is as good a place to start as any. So, Ford just announced an electric crossover that will make up to 459 horsepower, produce 612 pound-feet of torque, sprint to 60 miles per hour in under 4 seconds, and go around 300 miles on a charge. It's thoughtfully executed and starts at $43,895. The sticking point, though, is that Ford for some ungodly reason, decided to call it a Mustang. More specifically, it's called the 2021 Ford Mustang Mach-E. Five different variants will be available, including an entry-level select grade that starts at $50... No, that starts at $43,895 before tax credits, up to $7,500. The model is available with rear or all-wheel drive, and both feature a 75.7 kilowatt-hour battery pack, and an output of around 255 horsepower, 190 kilowatts, or 259 PS. The rear-wheel drive variant will have around 306 pound-feet of torque, or 414 newton meters of torque, while the all-wheel drive model will blow up that number to roughly 417 pound-feet, or 565 newton meters of torque. The rear-wheel drive model will accelerate from 0 to 60, or 0 to 96 kilometers an hour, in the low 6-second range and have an overall range of approximately 230 miles or 370 kilometers. The all-wheel drive variant drops to 0 to 60 or the aforementioned 0 to 96 kilometers time down to a mid 5-second range, but the range also falls to 210 miles or 338 kilometers. Moving up the trim ladder is the Mach-E Premium, which starts at $50,600. It will be offered in the standard and long-range configurations with and without all-wheel drive. The specs are a mouthful, but the standard range variant will have the same powertrain as the Mach-E Select. However, the big news is the extended range Mach-E, which has a larger 98.8 kWh battery. The extended range variant also has more power, as the rear-wheel drive model will have around 282 horsepower, 210 kilowatts, or 286 PS and 306 pound-feet of torque, or 414 newton-meter of torque. This will enable the crossover to run from 0 to 60 in the mid-six-second range and have an estimated range of 300 miles, or 483 kilometers. Likewise, the all-wheel drive variant will have approximately 333 horsepower, 248 kilometer, uh, kilowatts, or 338 PS, and 417 pound-feet, or 565 newton-meters of torque. This helps to lower the 0 to 60 time, to the mid-five-second range, and also drop the overall range down to around 270 miles, or 435 kilometers. Things are less confusing from there, as the $52,400 Mach-E California Route 1, or Route 1, is simply an extend-range variant with rear-wheel drive. As a result, it uses the aforementioned powertrain that develops 282 horsepower in the aforementioned kilowatts and PS, and 306 pound-feet of torque, 
or 414 newton meters of torque. The model also has a range of around 300 miles or 483 kilometers. The $59,900 Mark Mach E first edition is the opposite as it's a long range model with all wheel drive. This means it has 333 horsepower, 248 kilowatts or 338 PS, and 417 pound feet or 565 newton meters of torque, as well as a driving range of around 270 miles or 435 kilometers. The last of the five models is the high performance Mach E GT, which starts at $60,500. The company is keeping detailed specific specifications under wraps, but said the crossover will have around 459 horsepower, or 342 kilowatts, or 465 PS, and 612 pound-feet of torque, or 830 newton meters of torque. The model will, will be available exclusively with all-wheel drive and the 98.8 kilowatt-hour battery. The focus on performance lowers the range to around 235 miles, 378 kilometers. But the 0 to 60 time falls to the mid 3 second range. Putting aside the performance specs, owners will need to recharge their vehicles. In order to do this, each Mustang, sorry, each Mach E comes with a mobile charger that can deliver 22 miles or 35 kilometers of range for every hour of charging when connected to a 240 volt outlet. Customers can also purchase an optional Ford connected charging station. It uses a 240 volt outlet but delivers 32 miles or 51 kilometers of range for every hour of charging. When traveling, customers can use a, a growing network of DC fast chargers. Ford says the standard range Mustang Mach-E can go from a 10 to 80% charge in approximately 38 minutes using one of these 150 kilowatt chargers. And now for cargo space. In terms of space, the Mach-E has a front trunk or frunk that provides 4.8 cubic feet or 136 liters of storage. The rear luggage compartment has a capacity of 29 cubic feet or 821 liters but that can be expanded to 59.6 cubic feet or 1,688 liters by folding the rear seats down. Options. An assortment of options will be available, including a 10-speaker Bang & Olufsen audio system, a panoramic glass roof, and ambient lighting. Customers can also get a heated steering wheel, heated front seats, and alloy pedals. And lastly, Ford is already accepting offers. People interested in the 2021 Mustang Mach-E can make a reservation for... No, can make a reservation with a $500 deposit. However, they'll have a bit they'll have a bit of a wait as the first vehicles won't arrive until late next year. Fans wanting the entry level select and high performance GT will need to wait even longer as a launch isn't scheduled until 2021. The first to arrive in late 2020 will be the first edition and premium grades with the Select and California Route 1 following in early 2021. Alright, now we're actually going to get into my problems with the vehicle, and not from a design standpoint, but more so from a why the mess did they call it a Mustang standpoint, which I'm sure you're probably tired of hearing about, especially if you're on any forums, but I feel like, well, frankly, I just want to rant. So we have a few excerpts from a recent Road and Track article written by Mac Hogan, and I did highlight some bits that I really wanted to talk about just to keep this a bit more concise, and the first paragraph is not highlighted because... It, it the entire th I have an, I have a problem with the entire thing. So let's begin. When Porsche launched its first electric car, the company made clear that it had prioritized sustained performance over extended periods of hard usage. Ford is making its position its position equally clear. The Mustang Mach E was not built with sustained performance as one of its goals. If we skip a bit further here. Uh, Ford's global EV communications manager, Emma Berg, had a simple response. 
and this is still in relation to what I previously said. It's an SUV, and she's right. That's not usually priority one for SUV buyers, i.e. sustained performance. But that's kind of the problem, though. It's like, yeah, I absolutely agree that, you know, sustained performance as far as, you know, track, track, track days, braking, drag racing, and all that good stuff. Yeah, that's not priority one for SUV buyers, but that's kind of, that's kind of what a Mustang is about. And I'm not saying the sustained performance part, but certainly the performance part. And so Ford is essentially saying, yeah, this will not last very long at a track day. Why, why slap the Mustang name on it? That's, to me, that, that makes a bit of a mockery of what the Mustang should stand for. Anyway, if we move on further from that. If it's not for the track, if it might not rip burnouts because it's a traction control issue that road, that road and track got mixed answers on. If it's available with all-wheel drive, if it's a four-door, if it's electric, and if it's a crossover, then what exactly links the Mach-E to the Mustang brand? And that's and they're exactly right. What links the Mach-E to the Mustang whatsoever? I was and you know I had a I was I was talking with a friend not long ago, and and he's a he's a really big Mustang guy. He was he's actually okay with it, which I found really odd and. And one of my things to him was, if they had just called it the Mach-E, I wouldn't have a problem with the name, because that's a subtle nod to Mustang history. Well, a not-so-subtle nod to Mustang history, but they're not explicitly calling it a Mustang. So they're not tarnishing anything there. Maybe the Mach part, but I'm, I'm, I'm relatively okay with that, but they, they had the audacity to outright call it a Mustang. Why? What makes, this, what makes this SUV, crossover, what have you, a Mustang? Especially if it's electric and a crossover, and it's not... And it's not made for sustained performance. It's basically not a performance vehicle. And we'll and we'll get into that a little bit later because there's there's a bit of text that proves that, but this is this the Mach-E isn't a Mustang, okay? It's not a performance vehicle. It's more like a focus, it's more like a fiesta. It's a normal car that also has a performance variant within its lineup. Whereas the Mustang, the entire lineup is supposed to be about performance. Now, obviously. I'm sure some of you say, but the pay, you know, but the base trim levels don't really, you know, they're not that sporty. And I agree with you, but the overall idea, the important trim levels of the Mustang lineup are do have a performance leaning to them, as as a Mustang should, because it is a performance vehicle. Compared to a Focus, a Taurus, a Fusion, or even a Fiesta, nothing really outside of a few relatively lame styling cues. There's nothing that really links the Mach-E to the Mustang brand. It's it's pretty much a cash grab, if you ask me. Because while the Mustang stands for accessible performance and fun, Ford has had a lot of accessible performance cars that aren't Mustangs. The Focus RS, for instance, shares an engine with the Mustang EcoBoost High Performance Pack, which is more than the Mach-E shares with any current Mustang Coupe. It was also cheaper than the Mustang Mach-E, as were the Fiesta ST and Focus ST. They're not Mustangs, though. And so that just, that really hit... Uh, hammers home the point that it really wasn't necessary for Ford to call this thing the Mustang. In fact, I think it was quite incorrect to call it the Mustang because, again, it's not a performance vehicle. This isn't... The Mach-E isn't a Lamborghini Urus, okay? It's not that. It's not even... It's not even, let's say, if... Let's say Lamborghini made an Urus Coupe. That is meant to be a performance SUV that's even sportier because it's a Coupe, okay? The Urus is a performance SUV because it's a Lamborghini. Whereas the Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawk is a performance SUV, but it, but that's not, it's not a standalone. 
you have regular Grand, uh, Grand Cherokees on top of that. And that's sort of what the Mustang is like. The Mustang does have more normal versions, but that's sort of that's more like for rental fleets and stuff, and for sales. Whereas, you know, you get proper Mustangs once you get into your EcoBoost and, and above. Okay, that that's the core of the Mustang lineup, from EcoBoost to G to GT five hundred. That is the is the is sort of Mustang proper. Lamborghini Urus, well Lamborghini doesn't really sell high volume, so they don't have to they don't have to make a high volume Urus at all. They'll probably have a less expensive one, or they probably do, but still. But again, the, the Mach-E is just a normal car that's putting on the facade of trying to be sporty. And then it actually becomes a bit sporty once you get into the proper trim level, but it's not meant to be sporty outright. And that's kind of the problem, because a Mustang is supposed to be sporty outright. So, once again, that paragraph hits home the point that how, how does this tie into the Mustang brand at all if it's not meant to be sporty from the get-go? It's hard to put words to should be put words into, but we know when we do it right. Apparently you don't. Persiak said, according to him, there's a soul and a holistic experience that defines the Mustang brand. It's not a faster version of a normal car. It's a performance product that has the whole equation, the whole equation figured out, which is exactly contradictory to what the Mach-E is. Because the Mach-E, look, the Mustang does have various go faster versions that, that and some are faster than others. Okay, we know that. But the car itself is meant to be sporty. It's a coupe. It's a pony car. Okay, it's not a normal car, is what I'm getting at. It it has faster versions, certainly, but it's not a normal car. It's not the same thing as a Focus ST, a Focus R, uh, a Focus RS, a Fiesta ST, so on and so forth. A Mustang itself is meant to be the fast car. Again, obviously there are faster versions. We know this, but a but a Mustang by and large, is meant to be the fast car. A Fiesta isn't, a Focus isn't, a Taurus isn't, a Fusion isn't. It's meant to be a normal car that does have a faster version. Think of it like this, a Fiesta, a Fusion, what have you. The icing on the cake is that there is a faster version. A Mustang is the cake. It is the icing itself. Not that the icing makes up the entire cake, but the Mustang is the cake. It is the fast car. And I'm not getting that impression from the Mach-E. Mach, the Mach-E is just like half their other products in, in Ford's lineup. It's a normal car that they also make a faster version of. It's not the cake. They didn't make it like that outright. So once again, how does that tie into the Mustang brand, the heritage, what what a Mustang is supposed to be? The, the ethos, if you will. It doesn't. Not to me, anyway. But now that equation has that equation has new variables. And he'll openly admit that to solve it, you're going to have to make some compromises. He noted that there are inherent limitations in the silhouette of the car. Basically, and that's not what he's saying, but the core of it is, I must say, is a coupe or a convertible. But the point being, it's a pony car. Two-door hardtop or softtop doesn't matter. It's a two-door vehicle. And it always has been for the last 50-odd years. Now, with a few uh, design proposals excluding, but... The Mustang that's made it to to production and consumers has always been either a two-door coupe or a two-door convertible. And so to say that there are, oh, there are inherent limitations in the silhouette of the car, what you're basically saying is we've never made, we've never made a Mustang that wasn't a two-door something. So trying to translate all those design cues into something that isn't what a Mustang is, is tricky. Well, no duh, you're trying, you're trying to make a Mustang out of something 
the Mustang isn't. It's almost like you're trying to change someone into being something that they're not. It would be like trying to change me into being someone that would love skydiving. No, that is not going to happen. Or, or love spiders, for example. No, that, you know, that's not going to happen. And that's exactly what they're trying to, trying to do with the Mustang, though. They're trying, to make, they're trying to make it something it isn't and put its name on it. And I'm sure there's some alternate reality where this is the case, but this would be like, this would be like trying to change me into being a librarian. I am not a librarian by any means. I am a car guy. So trying to change me into a librarian goes against the absolute fundamentals of what being me is, of what my brand of Cody is. You're, you're going against the fundamentals of that. And that's exactly what Ford is doing with the Mustang. As Parasac put it, there's a reason that F1 cars don't look like SUVs. However, however, obviously, and thank God, the Mustang Mach-E is not replacing their pony car. Track-oriented buyers can still get a Shelby GT350R, burnout enthusiasts will always gobble up GTs, and autocross fanatics can still order an EcoBoost high-performance package. That doesn't mean that they're selling the name any less, but you can still get a normal Mustang if you so desire. The Mustang, Parasac included, is about more than just accessible performance. It has to be rooted in authenticity. And that's probably the most egregious part about this entire article or the excerpt from the article, is that the monkey is not authentic to Mustangs at all whatsoever. So to say that the Mustang is more than just about accessible performance, that it has to be rooted in authenticity, is to ignore the authenticity that the Mustang has cemented for itself. An, an authentic Mustang is a rear-wheel drive, long hood, either two-door coupe or a fastback. I don't really care about the V8 because we've had non-V8 Mustangs before, but still, it's a pony car. It's a proper pony car. That's what, that's, what a, that's what an authentic Mustang is all about. And so to try and graft authenticity onto the Mach-E like, well, this is still an authentic Mustang, is nonsense. It's ridiculous. This isn't a Mustang. It's good that they're not replacing normal Mustangs with the Mach-E, but this to me is no different than trying to make Die Hard a children's film. Die Hard represents something. The Mustang represents something because that name has been applied to a vehicle that has stayed relatively consistent, not through design, but through concept, for 50 years. So, the name Mustang is associated with something. It has weight that's attributed to something. And now you're trying to change that drastically and apply it onto a vehicle that it isn't. And apparently from the headline of an, art, from an, from the headline of an article I saw a little bit later, they're trying to grow the Mustang family. And all I can think is, why are you trying to make Mustang its own brand? Is Focus doing that badly? Does it not draw in enough buyers? Is Fiesta doing that badly? It's not drawing It's not drawing in enough buyers? Expanding the Mustang brand and slapping it onto everything doesn't make that specific car more interesting. It just makes that brand a lot, a lot more watered down. People still complain, or, or people still reference how the Charger name got ruined in the 80s when the, you know with all the Shelby turbo dodges if they if Ford do, did, does something like that with the Mustang and they pull a night and they pull a Ford probe and they still call it a Mustang you're ruining any kind of mystique the name has this would be like taking the name this would be like taking the Dodge Viper name and putting it on the, the Fiat Tipo which is which is re rebadged and renamed the Dodge Neon in Mexico imagine calling that car the Viper that would be hilarious in a really, really bad way. Thank God it wouldn't be coming to America, but you'd still be selling the name, especially across, you know, across borders. Now you're trying, you're trying to change the vehicle to be something it's not. We all, we've all seen those Disney movies where it's like, don't, you know, don't try to change yourself to be something you're not. If you're not a bad boy, don't be a bad boy. 
And that's exactly what these automakers are doing. And I'm not saying that the Mustang shouldn't grow and evolve as time goes on. It should evolve, but not become an entirely different species. Because that's what the Mach-E is. It's an entirely different species. And I think somewhere on Car Scoops they said, Oh, well, it's an, it's an entirely different breed of Mustang. It's not even that. It's an entirely different breed of car. Forget the, forget the fact that you're trying to say it's an entirely different breed of Mustang. Because it's not a different breed of Mustang. It's a, it's a completely different car outright. That has, no, that has no business being called a Mustang. If Ford pulled a Lamborghini and made the Mach-E a lot more like the Urus, where it's actually, where, where its roots are actually planted in, or based in performance, then it wouldn't be so bad, because then it would have that in common with normal Mustangs, but it doesn't, but the Mach-E doesn't even have that except for the GT. So what the mess is going on here? So what do I think about the looks? And let, let's start with the exterior. I like it. Honest to God, I actually like it. I don't. I think they did a really good job. I don't like that they have the Mustang horse on the front, but the rest of it, you know, if you just ignore all the all the Mustang, let's say propaganda that's going on with this vehicle, including the taillights, although those aren't bad either. I think this is actually a really really good looking SUV. Well, I think it's closer to a crossover, but whatever. It really isn't bad looking. They actually did a good job, not making it look like a Mustang, because they didn't do a good job there. And we'll, we'll get to how that relates, how it relates to the Mustang a little bit later. But without the Mustang connection, I would think that this is a really, really good-looking SUV. Or, sorry, crossover. I think it has a little bit of Maserati Levante going on with its, with its side profile, the, the face. It's interesting. It's not, it's not the craziest, but considering what Tesla did with the Cybertruck, well, not only with the face, but that entire thing, I'm quite grateful. The headlights look good. The grille shape is okay. The lower grille is good. The quarter window, I think, is probably going to be useless, as most modern quarter windows are. But, like I said, the silhouette is nice. The wheels the wheels that I've seen so far aren't bad. My favorite, actually, so far of the front fascias is the more aggressive-looking one with the black pleak in the middle. And the more aggressive, certainly more GT350-looking face. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good sporty-looking crossover. Still not worthy enough of having a Mustang name. They definitely got that right. Rear end. I don't like the window. It looks a little small. Uh, and cargo, I think, is going to be impeded on a little bit due to the roof line, but that's not anything new. The taillights. It's so hard to describe what I'm feeling when I look at those taillights. But <laughs> the only way I can describe it is it's sort of like when your mom says you're actually a handsome boy. And that's actually not the case, unfortunately. That's what it's like to me. Looking at those taillights, it's almost like they're self-righteous. Like, I'm good looking because my mom says so. But they can't see themselves. And so it's like, no. No. You have you still need the glow up. That's not... Yeah. Just just wait till puberty hits, then maybe. Maybe. you won't. It won't be so tragic looking. Yeah, that's not great. Definitely not great. The the front, the face, the front face is done a lot better, and the side is better. The rear end lets it down a little bit, but overall, again, very good looking from the outside. It being called the Mach E would allow it to stand on its own two feet. Even even if it had, even if it still had the Mustang cues, if they didn't call it a Mustang, I wouldn't care. Except for the taillights, Th those should be changed out. So now with the outside being done, looks good. Taillights are bad. What about the interior? Well. You know how how I how I've said for a while that I don't like the tacked on tablet look that the auto industry has been infected with these days, and how later I said that 
it actually seems like some of them are doing it better because the, the tablet's not it's not as egregious. It doesn't stick out so much, and it's actually inside the dash. And most importantly, it doesn't stick up above the top of the dash. Ford ruined that. It looks like an Apple tablet stuck onto the screen. It has a redundant control, and it's on the tablet. It's It's a very... Let me put it to you like this. You wouldn't feel totally alienated from this interior because it's very in line with a lot of electric cars that we see these days, especially of the Tesla variety. This is right at home there. And that's the worst bit about it. It's such a bland interior. And that's always what bugs me about interiors these days, especially with EV cars. It's like, yeah, let's go minimalist for no reason. Let's just make it's like they ran out of ideas for interiors, and they were like, oh, we're going to get away with making a bland interior, and we're just going to call it minimalism. It's like, no, you can figure out how to make an interior, and you're just like, hey, a bunch of straight lines. It's a very boring-looking air vents and a very un and a very uncreative-looking instrument panel, and bada-bing, bada-boom, that's an interior. No, or at the very least, that's a dash, which it, once again, absolutely isn't. The seats, they don't look so bad. The door panels, they actually look fairly interesting, but the actual dash itself is, is so, so boring. It's, it's really a disappointment to me. They could have made it more interesting. They should have made it more interesting, but they decided, nah, it's not worth the effort. That tablet is just so, so bad. The steering wheel itself isn't, though. That, that I kind of like. Good shape. The airbag thing is... It's a bit big. I prefer smaller because it, it's more reminiscent of retro wheels but again it's not a terrible looking wheel how it feels we'll have to see but yeah that tablet it's you know it's bad when it when it looks like you can visibly see the mounting point for the touchscreen which you pretty much can it's it's an atrocity it is such a disappointment yeah oh oh wait no i forgot i do have a little bit more news where are you where are you apparently we might actually get a Shelby Mach-E. What the mess are we coming to? What in the actual mess are we coming to? This is... What is happening? On one hand, I'm actually intrigued. On one hand, I want to see a Mach-E of Shelby performance. I don't want to see it called a Shelby. I mean, you don't... No, no one makes a Shelby Focus ST, Focus RS, Fiesta ST, and I'd love to see that, but they don't. But then why the if we don't get any of those that are Shelby models, why does the Mach E suddenly get why is that suddenly special enough to get to get the Shelby treatment? I just I don't understand. A Mach E RS would would suffice. Anyway, before we close it though, some of you are probably wondering how this compares to the Model Y, because that's pretty much where this car where the Mach E competes. And thankfully for me, car scoops were gracious enough. Either they got this sent out or they made it, but they made a few a few spreadsheets of stats and information that compared the two. So, the Ford Mustang Mach-E Select has a price of $43,895. The Tesla Model Y Standard Range Plus has an estimated price of $43,000. I wouldn't be surprised if it was $45,000, but we'll have to see. Range for the Mach-E Select, which is the base model, 230 miles. The Tesla Model Y Standard Range Plus, 230 miles, and both are from the EPA. 0-60 to 60 for the Mach-E Select. Mid 5 seconds, the Model Y, 5.9. Cargo space for the Mach-E Select, 59.6 cubic feet. The Model Y, 66 cubic feet. So if you need space, the Model Y is probably going to get your vote there. Next, we move on to the Mach-E Premium and the Model Y Long Range Rear Wheel Drive. Price for the Mach-E Premium is $50,600. The Model Y Long Range, 
48,000. Range, 300 miles for the Mach-E Premium and 300 miles for the Model Y Long Range. 0 to 60, mid 5 seconds. For the Mach-E Premium, the Model Y Long Range Rear Wheel Drive is 5.5 seconds, so the Mach-E might have a bit of competition there. And cargo space is the same for both. Now for the performance versions of both. The Mach-E GT has a price of $60,500. Whereas the Model Y Performance has a price of $61,000. Ooh! $500 difference! Ooh! Range. 235 miles for the Mach-E GT. Now it's from the EPA. The Model Y Performance has a range of 280 miles. Also from the EPA. 0 to 60. Mid 3 seconds for the Mach-E GT. The Model Y Performance, 3.5 seconds. So we're pretty close here. And the cargo space is the same here, with the Model Y still having a sizable advantage, pun intended, over the Mach-E GT. Now, I do think that the Mach-E GT is a much better looking vehicle than the Model Y. A much better looking vehicle than the Model Y. So, Ford did right there. It should have been called a Mustang still, but its sportier design cues is something I do prefer over the Tesla. And apparently, the I just, I've just seen this. The Model Y has a horizontal... A horizontally oriented touchscreen that's still pretty big, whereas the the Mach E has a vertically oriented, and it's 15.5 inches if I remember correctly. Let's see if I can find that info. I'm pretty sure it was. Yep, the screen is or is 15.5 uh, inches, or in other words, just a bit too big. And actually, I've just seen from that Roman Track article, I missed a few things. So let's see here. Every Mach E will be equipped with. With the hardware for hands-free highway driving, but, the, but that capability won't be made available until after the car launches. And you can reserve your Mach-E using an online sign-up system starting today. Apparently the Mach-E will be the first Ford to use phone as a key technology, automatically popping open the driver's door when it detects you approaching with your smartphone in your pocket. Mach-E's will receive over-the-air updates, a lot like Tesla, te uh, Tesla, which is a smart move, potentially gaining new features over time. If it's starting to sound like Ford's aiming straight for Tesla, you're getting the idea. The interior is also filled with unique lightweight materials and an available glass roof brightens up the interior even more. And though every Mach-E comes with leatherette seats, environmentally consci conscientious buyers will be happy to learn that the whole interior is 100% vegan. 100%? Okay. Maybe maybe that's why the, the dash is so boring. They couldn't they couldn't make a more interesting interior with 100% vegan materials. I don't think I've missed any anything else. Ford proudly talked about the service experience Mach-E customers can expect. With 2,100 EV certified Ford dealerships nationwide, Mach-E customers can expect coverage that Tesla still can't match with just over 100 U.S. service centers. Ford also mentioned that 95% of Mach-E parts can be delivered to service locations by the next day, something Tesla has always struggled with. Okay, it really seems like the Mach-E is a very viable alternative to Tesla, and in fact, it might even be the better option. You know, gosh darn it, the worst thing about it, the worst thing about it is that they put the Mustang name on to, onto a vehicle that has not a, that has nothing to do with proper Mustangs. Not a darn thing to do with it. If they had just said the 2021 Ford Mach-E, that would have been perfect. But they didn't, they had to sully the Mustang name for no other reason but attention and a cash grab, if you ask me, which is such a which is such a shame. Supposedly, this is the first step in them expanding the Mustang range, and we're really gonna have to see how that how Mustang loyalists receive or how they deal with that, and where exactly Ford is going with we're expanding the Mustang range. But I'm not happy that they're expanding the Mustang range because it's not necessary. They shouldn't have called this a Mustang, but 
if you just take the Mustang name out of it and you t and you get rid of the Mustang badges, this is a really, really compelling alternative to the Tesla Model Y, and it seems like a really well-developed, well, at the very least, well-sorted EV for Ford. They did a good job. It's just the stain that's left on this vehicle is its name, and, and it's a shame that Ford either didn't have the wisdom or the or the fear to, to really rethink what they were going to call the name, because Mach-E would have been perfect, but... There you go, that's the Mach-E. We got a lot more vehicles to go through because LA Auto Show, which sort of feels bad. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. And if you do subscribe, hit the notification bell. That way you're notified every time we upload. Anyway, I will see you all in the next, obviously, car-specific episode. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars, if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.